0: Over the past couple of weeks, on uh, Sunday afternoons, we've been looking at the subject of organization of the church, and uh, as I mentioned early on, uh, one of the reasons that I think it's kind of an important lesson to do is because people don't seem to feel the least hesitation To want to take the things that God has given us he's given us blueprints he's given us instructions he's told us how he wants it done and then we have to go and mess with it we change it to suit ourselves when by definition anything that God tells you is perfect and anytime that you think you can improve on perfection you're deluded because you can't do it or uh, extremely arrogant but uh We've looked at the uh, uh, the job of the preacher. We've looked at the uh, uh, office of the elders. And uh, this afternoon, I wanted to look at deacons. Now, the deacon's role in the church is a really confused one to a lot of people. It's not, or at least should not be, but it is. And if you look around at, at different... Uh, religious groups, you'll see that they uh, sometimes will have a, uh, an office of deacon uh, in their organization, but it's generally not anything like what the Bible says about it. Uh, for example, you have some, uh, some groups, they will have deacons over a certain congregation. The deacons are essentially uh, taking the place of a board of directors. The deacons get together and they talk about what's supposed to be done in the congregation and they're the ones who, who make the decisions, they're the ones that carry it out. Uh, though there are no elders. You have no elders, but you have deacons that are really occupying a position that the Bible doesn't say they're supposed to have. And uh, uh, one of the things that ha- has uh, been a bit of a, uh, uh, an issue with me over time is how people sometimes will use the office of deacon uh, as a uh, a reward or an encouragement. It's it's kind of like you know people would make fun of being a Kentucky Colonel. You know you're somebody that that uh, gave some pretty sizable uh, political donations to somebody. And so they get together in the uh, state legislature, and they say, we're going to have a proclamation that from now on, they are a Kentucky colonel, and they send you a nice piece of paper with that on it, and you can put it up on the wall, and you can brag to all your friends about how you're a Kentucky colonel. Uh, Tennessee at least used to have the same uh, system. I don't know if they still do now or not, but basically, it, it sounds good, but it means nothing. And there are people in the Lord's Church that treat the office of deacon in exactly the same way. Uh, every so often they'll get together and they'll say, hmm, you know, we've, we've got a few younger guys that are coming up, and, you know, they're about in a position of being able to do some, some real uh, work in the congregation, and we need to, to encourage them to continue doing that. We want them to be faithful in their attendance uh, and be here all the time, and be somebody that people can look up to, and so they'll make him a deacon, but a deacon with nothing to do. I, d- I did see one, one guy once upon a time, he was, he was not uh, what I would call really well-founded, uh, scripturally speaking, but he did know one thing, uh, they made him a deacon, and just exactly like I was talking about, uh, it was just basically an honorary position, but after a few months, he said, you know, if, if I'm supposed to be a deacon, I'm supposed to have something to do. Y'all hadn't given me anything to do, so I resigned, and I thought, okay, he knows at least what this is supposed to be like, uh, but deacons, and the word means servant. You know, we, we talked earlier about the, uh, the, the different ways that the elders are described uh, in Acts chapter twenty, and then uh, over in First Peter chapter five, you find all three of the uh, the Greek terms that are used there, and they're translated <clears throat> variously, depending partly on what version you're you're using, uh, but they're translated as bishop or presbyter uh, or elder or overseer or shepherd. That's the way they are uh, They are <clears throat> translated, and those are, are a fairly accurate description of exactly what their, their function is. They are to act as overseers and shepherds. Overseers watch out for the flock to make sure that nothing bad is going on, and shepherds lead the flock in the way that it should go. So if elders are doing their job properly, that's what they do. Well, a, a deacon is a servant. There are three different ways Uh, in the uh, uh, the King James or the New King James there's three ways that that the term uh, the Greek term that means deacon is is translated it's either translated as minister servant or deacon those three and that's all and it is used frequently when it's talking about people that do not hold the office of deacon now uh, again you find in the Bible especially in the New Testament you find words being used in a different sense than that which people are used to. Uh, The the Jews had the concept of elder, and they had had that concept for about as long as they had been a people. Uh, You had older, respected members uh, of the society who were looked up to. Uh, You would ask advice of them. They didn't really have an official position, but they did have a position in society. Uh, people would go well what should we do what should we not do things like that so it 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 was a term that had one meaning when you're talking about it in the society that it came from but also it has a a different term because sometimes it's talking about the office of elder and when you're reading through the uh, the new testament you have to look at the context to find out which way this is supposed to be used because it could mean this but it could mean that, you know, which way is it being used here? Because that makes a difference to what this particular passage has to say. Uh, there, there was one, this, this was a, a big deal uh, many years ago, but there was a, a, a translation being done uh, of the Bible and in Isaiah chapter seven, in verse 14, The prophet says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, in this particular version, they did not use the word virgin. They used the term young woman. And people said, why did you do that? The King James says virgin. Why did you do that? And they said, because in the Hebrew, that word can mean either one, and it can. Hebrew, was, Hebrew is worse than English. Uh, you know, you can get confused in a conversation with somebody uh, when you're speaking English and you just really don't understand what's going on. Hebrew's a lot worse. Uh, I was taking a course in Hebrew one time and I, was, I, always, I always did all my work at the kitchen table uh, I'm one of the old-fashioned people. I didn't have a, a computer or anything. I just had books and papers scattered everywhere. And uh, Marcia saw that I was getting a little irritated, and she said, what's wrong? I said, I can't translate this passage. Well, what part of it can't you translate? I said, well, I know what all the words mean. I just don't know how they go together. Well, what do you mean? I said, well, what it says is he sat, dwelt, abode, or stayed on, upon, or over the earth, land, or ground. I said, you can put those words in there in any order you want to, but which one's the right one? I don't know. Uh, luckily, it wasn't necessary for me to know at that particular point in time. But you can have problems translating from one language to another one sometimes. But now, th- this, this is the point that I was trying to make. In, in Isaiah 7:14. instead of the word virgin, they used the word a young woman or a young maiden. But in Matthew chapter one, in verse 23, when that very uh, passage is being quoted, now it's not in Hebrew anymore, it's in Greek, and it says virgin, and there's no mistaking what the Greek word meant. There wasn't a case of, well, it could be this or it could be that, and uh, essentially what you have is in Matthew chapter one, verse 23, you have a, a divine-inspired commentary on what was meant in Isaiah 7:14, and people pointed that out and said well the New Testament tells you the way it's supposed to be translated you should have translated it that way and they should have but they didn't want to for some reason but it can be a, a little bit of an issue but you have to know the context and sometimes you have to stretch that context out a little ways uh, in order to know exactly what it is that you're talking about so you have Uh, People who misuse the term uh, Deacon by using that to mean a member of a board of directors Uh, Sometimes the term uh, deacon is used when you're talking about You know a uh, an honorary position for someone in the church, you know Well, we just want them to feel like they're important. So we're gonna make them a deacon, which is not what happens Uh, in the Bible, and another one, and this is another one of those cases where you have to look uh, a little farther afield to find out how the word should be translated. In Romans chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, Paul says, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Centuria. She's a servant of the church. The word servant there is deacon, In Greek, it's the same thing. But here, it's translated as servant, which is the way it should be translated. And the reason that it should be translated that way here is because if you go over to 1 Timothy chapter 3, you find out Phoebe doesn't meet the qualifications for deacon. And that's why it's translated as servant in the King James and the New King James, but it is translated as deaconess in some other versions, because they don't believe that women can't hold every job in the church. So they translate it as deaconess, even though uh, the context tells you not to. Uh, over in 1 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 8, uh, Paul said, Likewise deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience, but let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Uh, Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things, and we'll get back to that in just a minute, but let deacons be the husband of one wife. Phoebe cannot be the husband of one wife. Well, she could now, but not then. So, let deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So, Phoebe would not meet the qualifications to be a deacon. But she does meet the qualifications to be a servant in the more usual sense of the word. And, uh, and that's one of those things. It, it's not a real or should not at least be a real surprise to us because if you, if you keep reading what the apostle Paul has to say about Phoebe and about other people in Romans chapter 16, he's saying, you know, this person did this, that one was a great help to me. This one was a fellow laborer. So it's not like he singled Phoebe out specifically now, he did say a little bit more about her than he did some of the others, but at the same time, all of these people are good servants of the church. They did things for the church, and that's what servants are supposed to do, and all Christians are supposed to be servants, but only some of them can be deacons. So when you, when you look at something, you have to be able to tell how is that word being used here. It doesn't matter how it's used somewhere else. How is it being used here? So uh, Phoebe was not a female deacon uh, because she didn't meet the qualifications. So you have uh, a misuse of the term frequently. Uh, There are very few uh, different uh, religious organizations that have Uh, deacons anywhere close to what the biblical pattern for deacons is now we know that deacons were a part uh, of the church's organization in Philippians chapter one uh, in verse one the apostle Paul says Paul and Timothy bond servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons in other words he's talking to the whole church all of the saints, all of the elders, all of the deacons, everybody. So we know how the church was organized. We know what it was supposed to look like. And like I said, anytime time that anybody wants to uh, leave that pattern, things are not going to turn out well. They just won't. God knows what he's doing perfectly we don't it's uh there was a uh, a guy i worked in in machine shops a lot uh and there was a part that we had to make for a uh, uh, customer it was a repeat part we did it not real often but on a fairly regular basis and uh, they gave a guy the uh, the blueprint they said materials over there go make this and so he's looking at the print and he says whoops somebody made a mistake there that can't be right why would they do that no nah, they just made a mistake so he didn't go and ask anybody he just said well it's obviously a mistake and instead of this it needs to be that and so that's what he made and it got into the qc lab and they said this thing's scrap what are you talking about it's no good it doesn't it doesn't match the print but the print's wrong who told you that the print was wrong Well, nobody, I just, I looked at that, and I could tell, you know, that was wrong, and one of the guys there had done the same part before, and had a little bit more experience, and he said, no, the print's not wrong. Yes, I'll agree, it looks like it is, but it isn't, and they have a very good reason for wanting it that way. So he had to take that, throw it away, go get another piece of material, and start all over. Because he did what he thought was right, and not what the blueprint told him. And people do that with, with the organization of the church and a lot of other things uh, that God has mandated. They look at things and they say, you know, I just don't think that's right. I think it'd be better if we did it this way, so let's go do it that way. Don't ever touch it until you know what you're doing. Uh, you know, there, there is a principle that, you know, until you know what's going on, don't mess with it. Don't touch it. Because you might find out that what you think is a good thing turns out to be a very bad thing. And that's what people have done to an extent uh, with the organization of the church. Now, uh, again, over there in 1 uh, Timothy chapter 3, and this is one of those things that I just wanted to add as a, uh, uh, a bit of extra uh, information, but he says in verse 11, likewise their wives <clears throat> must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Now he puts this in right in the middle of the, uh, the qualifications for deacon. And so sometimes people look at that and they say, well, it's only deacon's wives that have to meet these qualifications, which if you really think about it, doesn't make a whole lot of sense because a wife can either be a bigger help or a bigger hindrance to an elder than she ever would be to a deacon. It's important for both of them to have good wives, and that actually is what he's talking about here. Uh, in the New King James, that, that word, their, likewise, their wives, uh, is in italics, meaning it was supplied by the translators to kind of smooth things out. So it's not talking about their wives deacons wives it's talking about the wives of both of these groups that we've just been talking about elders and deacons so you have a, a qualifications for elders wives and deacons wives and people sometimes say well why why is that the case you know they don't hold an official position in the church true you know they're not standing in the pulpit and teaching true there, there is not a man on the face of the earth that will ever be what he can be unless he's supported by a good wife You know when when, when God uh, ordained the family You have a husband and a wife. You have a male and a female and It's necessary for it to be that way now one person can do a pretty good job of raising a family on their own It's gonna take a lot of work but it would always be better if there were two. And when you talk about the uh, the kind of of work that an elder or a deacon can do, uh, they can do a lot better with a good wife. If they have a uh, a wife who is a you know a, a disgrace and a source of gossip for the whole community, how much good is the elder or the deacon going to be able to do then? Not very much. And actually, when you look at uh, uh, the qualifications; it really disqualifies the man because he's not ruling his own house well. So, you know, if he had a wife like that, he'd have to say, "Well, I can't serve as a deacon or uh, an elder or a deacon." So, there's a reason for that there as well. So, you have to have properly qualified wives. But now, this is an interesting one. What do deacons do? I know what everybody thinks deacons do, but what do they do? And where do you find it in Scripture? You know, we, we've got to have biblical authority for these things. Uh, so if a, if a deacon is supposed to do this, this is his niche in the congregation, what is it? What's he supposed to do? And where is it said? Because for the most part, it's not. You've got three places. Well, I I think that there are three places. Some people disagree. Uh, But I think there are three places in the New Testament that talk about deacons. Acts chapter 6. And that's where we're fixing to go. But Acts chapter 6, you've got Philippians 1.1, but all it mentions there is you've got the saints, the elders, and the deacons. doesn't tell you anything about what they do. And then you go over in 1 Timothy chapter 3, where he's talking about qualifications for deacons. He tells you how they are qualified. If they meet this standard, they can be qualified, but he doesn't tell you what they do after that. You got a a guy that you think would make a good deacon. Uh, You find out he meets the qualifications. Okay, you're a deacon now. What does he do? Now, like I said, there are a lot of congregations that hold deacon to be an honorary position, one where they don't really do anything. They don't have to. You know, they just get to feel good about themselves because the, uh, the congregation puts their name up there as being a deacon of the congregation. But now, over in Acts chapter 6, uh, in verse 1, it says, Now, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying— there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. So you're talking about the Hebrew Christians or the uh, Greek Christians because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So what you had in the early days of the church is you had uh, a lot of widows that had to be taken care of. Paul talks about this same kind of thing over in 1 Timothy. But uh, some, of, some of the Greek Christian widows were being neglected. They were being missed. Uh, when they went to take them their their daily food, they weren't able to go out and, and earn money for themselves to buy food. They had no family to take care of them. Somebody had to do it. And uh, Paul says that, you know, if they don't have family to take care of them, then the church does it if they meet qualifications. So you had these widows being supported by the church. The uh, The Greek jew or the greek christians were upset because some of their widows were being overlooked and then in verse two it says then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said it is not desirable that we should leave the word of god and serve tables therefore brethren seek out from among you seven men of good reputation full of the holy spirit and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they uh, chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenaeus, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, there, there are a lot of people who look at this, and they will say, the word deacon does not appear. These seven men were not deacons. The word deacon does not appear, but you can't say that they weren't deacons because you don't know. It doesn't tell you they were, but it doesn't tell you they weren't. They may have been. Some people say, well, these men were working under the oversight of the apostles, not elders. Well, you can't say that either. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter said that he was an elder. So how can you say that these men, even though their, their, uh, their most important position was that of being an apostle, how can you say that they weren't an elder? You can't do it. You, you cannot affirm a negative unless you basically know everything or you can show it to be a logical contradiction. So to say that they weren't something because it doesn't explicitly say they were, you can't say that. And again, like I said, if if it be the case that this is not talking about deacons, where in the other two passages in the New Testament do you find anything that tells you what deacons do? This is the only place. There is no other. And personally, uh, I don't really think it matters one way or the other whether you think these are deacons or not. It doesn't really matter a whole lot. Deacons have to be doing something because they're part of the organization of the church. But if you look at the the term that is used of the office, and like I said, it's used in other ways. It can be used as servant or minister or deacon. But it's a servant. I mean, the final analysis is that that word means a servant, not a slave, but a servant. And that gives you a pretty good idea of what they're supposed to do. Now, what we normally use them for now is that there are certain things that have to be taken care of. It's just like uh, taking care of things at home. You know, somebody has to make sure the bills are paid. Somebody has to uh, keep track of, you know, what's being done around, what what kind of maintenance is being done, you know, all of these kind of things. Somebody at the house has to do it, and somebody at the house of God has to do it too. Yes, we are a, a spiritual organization, but we still have a material presence, and these things have to be taken care of. The bills have got to be paid. The lights have got to be on. You know, we have to help support people that are— uh preaching and teaching uh, in the missionary field. We have to take care of building maintenance. We have a lot of things that have to be done, and somebody has to do it. And I think they're in uh, Acts chapter six, where the, uh, uh, the 12 said it's not desirable that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. They're saying we have something more important to do, so we need the time to do it but we also have to have somebody that can take care of this so we need to find some people to do it and that's why you have qualifications you know if you've got a a position that really has no ability to either do good or harm you don't have to have qualifications but uh uh, i I had a discussion with a guy back uh, a long time ago uh, about elders and the authority of the elders and i told him yes Elders have got real authority. They said, You mean to tell me that if the elders came in and said we want everybody to sit on one side uh, of the auditorium, that that would be something that they have the authority to do? And I said, Absolutely. If they thought that there was some good reason for the benefit of the congregation to do that, then absolutely they do. I said, And that's why we have qualifications. That's so you don't pick the wrong people to be in the position. You know, you don't want people who are going to try to pull away uh, disciples after themselves, uh, like Diotrephes. I always wonder what happened when John uh, finally came face to face with Diotrephes. He said he was going to take care of things when he did. It's one of those things we don't have to know, but I am kind of curious. Would like to know. But we have uh, we have things to do. And that, that, like I said, uh, you don't have a deacon, you don't appoint somebody as a deacon and then say, we're going to go try to find something for him to do. What you do is you have something that needs done, and then you find somebody who can do it. But you have to have something for them to do. That's what a deacon is. It's a servant of the church. They serve the congregation in whatever uh, capacity is needed at the time but they serve the congregation. And since the word deacon really means servant, that pretty well tells you most of what you need to know. But the, uh, the office of deacon is, is a very good one. Uh, but as uh, the 12 were pointing out, you know, we need good people to do it. You need uh, men of good reputation Now, full of the Holy Spirit in this particular context, he's talking about the miraculous gifts that were present uh, in the church in the first century. Uh, But good spiritual people would be a good way to look at it now. And with wisdom, whom we, we may appoint over this business. People that can look at possible problems, figure out how to take care of them, and then do it. They don't wait for somebody else to say, hey, this needs done. They see it. You know, if they need to, they can check with the elders and say, is this a good idea? This is what I thought I was going to do. But they need to have the uh, uh, the ability and, and the uh, the characteristic of somebody that sees a problem and then tries to fix it. That's what deacons do. Uh, next week, Lord willing, I'm going to look at the one last uh, Uh, part of the organization of the church and that's the members Uh, because remember Philippians 1-1 the Apostle Paul was greeting the saints the elders and the deacons of course the preacher was part of the saints so we'll look at the uh, uh, the saints the members of the congregation uh, next week it may be that there's someone here this evening that's not a child of God If that be the case, you could come forward confessing your faith in Jesus as the Son of God and you could be baptized, have your sins washed away. Or it might be that you're an erring child of God. You've done something that has separated you from God and you know that you need to come back. Go to God in prayer. Confess the sin to him from a repentant heart and ask him to forgive you. And he's promised to do that. Or it could be that you just need the uh, prayers of those saints that are gathered here for some other reason. Whatever your need is, we ask that you come forward and make it known while together we stand and sing.